0: Welcome to the Dark Star Rising Podcast. This is your host and co star Jarve, the co star of Jarve. Today I have my friend Bamga. Say hello, Bamga. Okay, Bamga doesn't want to talk much. Anyways, hopefully the background rain won't be an uh, issue. But we're starting off off the cuff for this one because. We gotta uh, make the juices, juices, the mouse juices flow. So we know. Let's see if it runs smoother with the power cord fully plugged in. And um, the topic today is something special, something we have not covered before: the rise and fall of the American and, in greater terms, West civilization this last cycle. First off head over to Jarv Net, uh, sorry, Jarv email that's J-A-R-V email dot slash Jarv J-A-R-V network that, that's not a mouthful um, if you want to support or just check out my website which is really cool and other links to other places also this episode is not technically sponsored but I'm still going to plug it by a book I published called Big Mr. T, written by Bog, sorry, written by Bob Wronghink, and illustrated by Eric Stolli-Election. So this is a really good book back in 2020, I think it was. We published this. And uh, here, let me read you the synopsis. Is your four-year-old watching too much Benjamin Sharperio? Does your eight-year-old read Petrov Jorgunson? this helpful tool will use this helpful tool to de-radicalize your kids today we must all educate the young so they don't become deplorable or racist and using this tool we can do that well by Bob Ranghink and illustrated by Eric election some constants kids might not understand copyright 2021 but it was January 19th 2021 so this already has been published for a while it's been more over a year didn't get much traction because nobody knew Bob Brown Kink or Eric Stoll election so it was all up to me, the publisher, JARV, um, to promote it and apparently not that many people are aware of my own existence here. Basically how it works with books and everything else. People don't really buy books because they exist. They buy books because they know the author or they know the author or the publisher or the author basically. So you get a lot of Stephen King's being sold, and not much else. So to fix that, if you're interested in picking up this cool book, which is a mostly historically accurate representation of the year 2020 for kids and adults, illustrated with stickmen, called Big Mr. T, by Bob Grogan and Illex Stork, head over to Lulu.com. Type in their search. You know, you click on the. Lulu.com. Click on bookstore. Type in the search box, and you can just type in Big Mr. T, and it pops up. Really easy, real fast. The hardcover is forty ninety nine, and buying it through Lulu, half the proceeds goes to the publisher. Me, that way I can reimburse Bob, Ron, Hink, and Eric Stolai. You know, pay them for their good work because they're definitely not made up uh, synonyms for someone else. Um, so. Yeah, the uh, there's a digital version. We're, we're working on right now porting it to a different website. Currently, the digital version is up on a Teespring website. But we're working on porting it to another website, and we'll probably end up having a free version of the digital. So stay tuned to this podcast if you want to know more about Bob Brownhink. Yeah, that's it. So... This is where it starts. Okay. First, quick disclaimer, quick synopsis. Ouroboros. I don't think I've covered this before in my podcast, but I'm going to do a whole episode about Ouroboros someday, probably. Basically, the cycle of civilizations, rising and falling, empires, not countries. This cycle has happened and is very similar each time the cycle happens over and over again for hundreds of thousands of years, before ice ages, floods, and after to this point and the most recent cycle we are on has the same things happening each time so a quick synopsis of Ouroboros is required to begin this discussion because it it helps with the load inkscape please load inkscape please okay I'm basically resizing Inkscape to cover the area that's recorded. If you want to watch this instead of listening to it, head over to Rumble.com/slash DarkStarRising. I want to Rumble.com/slash DarkStarRising. Um, we open pub, We open pro- properties. Document properties. I like to do something along the lines of one eight eight one. Something square. But think today is actually going to be. Okay. Alright, so I don't care about this box, I just have to have a square box to start off. Basically the cycle works like this There's an old civilization with its own pyramids and empires and stuff going on, right? And it gets decrepit and old and uh, chaos and stuff happens and so there's war, uh, is this snake going down? Okay, and so this, clearly the snake goes down, as in, you know, the empire is falling and they're going into war and stuff, right? And chaos and bad stuff, so it's like chaos, war, and this, this new empire then gets to the stage where there's like some <clears throat> stability with sort of the sort of quotations, right? And just imagine this, errors inverse clockwise um, starting from about, what, twelve, seven o'clock, going down to s- noon, 12, 6 o'clock, you know, the 6 o'clock, no, noon, noon, yeah, I'm not good with it. Then back up to like 5 a.m., right? And this is where the stability after the war happens, but this old empire has already fallen, and this is where you have, at some point in time, more wars, and something called revival. Now, the revival is usually a form of of a specific belief structure that is the core of all modern religions, but this even happened in ancient times. So you could just think of it as the core ideology, the core culture, the core pillars of the fa- foundations of that society has a revival. Okay? So during this revival, this is when the new institutions are formed in the wake of this revival basically the old elites or the new elites copy the successes of the revival revival to create the next institutions, the next pyramid schemes, the next pyramids, the next civilizations Okay, and then the cycle repeats after a brief period of once again uh, well, I say prosperous, prosperousness, stability, prosperousness. The the, the, the well, smooth is better than not smooth. All right. So it's basically a loop. Okay. But it's a new time every time. So the way that you would look at, look at it, think of it, is imagine a circle, but instead of a circle just looping like the recycle symbols, it, it goes in a spiral, starting in the middle and it loops out over and over and over again and you are here okay all right so we're going to cover just the last section this is last 360 degrees roughly of this last spiral um and see kind of where it all happened and how it came out of the last spiral real quick real fast little history lesson today, lesson, or history uh, thingamajerber, um thingamajurber, yes okay so a little bit of a back, back, back a little bit ways, Roman Empire, you got the Roman Empire, it kind of fell and then it had a renaissance a belief this is even further back, we're starting a little bit further back then than what I said, but we go back to the Roman civilization it had its own war stability and then absolute complete collapse with a revival and the revival was basically a let's just say jesus oriented revival um the people who came out of it oh the apostles right were they weren't religious in the old hebrew sense and they weren't religious in the new modern christian sense but they were let's say, Jesus' people, Jesus' followers, the followers of Jesus, that's what they were at their core, that was their core belief structure. Out of that came the first form of essentially Christianity predating Catholicism itself, which is kind of like just the roots, the the core concept of Jesus and his teachings. And at that point, it's just basically a belief and not quite a religion, but out of that new belief is created a religion and the elite see this opportunity to create a whole new world order, a whole new empire, a whole new pyramid scheme, a whole new religion called Catholicism. And that is where the elites take that idea. See, basically spiritually Satan cannot create. Only God can create and those created in his image who he gave the ability to create. Whether you're an atheist or you're a believer in God or something else, this can be seen metaphorically, metaphysically, and also objectively in your reality. Human beings have the spark of God where they can create. Satan cannot recreate. He can only steal. So, basically how this works is a revival is a turn back to God, the basic concept of God. For example, in this case it was Jesus, God. Turn you know, the, the, the ideas and teachings of Jesus and his teachings about God. And then after this revival got going, started healing the world and preparing people to be more healthy, you know, less dangerous to themselves, less catastrophic. The elites of that time who still had power, or the new ones who gained power, saw it as a wonderful opportunity. So what they did is they stole the idea and they created the Holy Roman Empire, as it is called in history books. Based upon this core idea, they created the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church, during that time, and even today, functions as a top-down pyramid scheme whole other episode for this but this is basic understanding this is where the new establishment came out of the roman catholic church that was the last cycle though or the last last cycle the roman catholic church had its own rise and fall and ending and its ending had its own stability point where it was kind of like restabilizing but then it just went again and completely not completely like the Catholic Church is still around but that Empire the Roman Catholic Church the Roman Empire is no more okay and you could say the final swoop was you know the time period after it was like yeah this is not really an empire anymore and then during World War one and World War two there was a whole new like it was completely gone by then but the, the newest cycle, the most recent cycle, actually came out of 1776. So basically there was once again a new revival, and it was once again a Jesus revival, this time in the form of Protestantism. And obviously, of course, you know, you've got the Catholics killing Protestants and the Protestants running away from them, and in some countries the Protestants killing Catholics. So it can, you know, there's 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 not, it's not all Protestants are good people or whatever you want to say, but the the new revival was in fact Protestantism or more like a a desire to go back to God, go back to the basics. And this manifested in a new religion once again, even though it starts off as a basic belief system to better people, it becomes a new religion once the elites get involved and create a new pyramid scheme. So once again, however, how this happened was more over the seas. A bunch of Protestants and even some Catholics, mostly Protestants, came over to the New World and settled in North America. And they did this because they were escaping the Catholic Church. They were escaping the oppression of the Catholic Church and the Old World Order, the old institutions, the old empire, the, old empire, the Roman Catholic Empire. And then settling in New America, they found their own freedom and had a, uh, revolutionary period, like, uh, not, not what you're thinking, a revolutionary of, like, the mind and prosperity and freedom, uh, some would say a renaissance, but I'm, I'm staying away from that because that term, that is tied to a specific point in time, and also, um, I'm trying to talk about the cycle, so basically, hopefully I kept Inkscape, I didn't close Inkscape, basically, here's that fall and there's all this chaos and then they go back around, there's a stability but ultimately you got to get away from the Catholic Church and so that comes to a place right here in 1776 where there's an, there's at the end of this new revival this new revival coming back to the concept of God, coming back to uh, core uh truths that have been around for hundreds of thousands of years, the, the stability of the family system, the stability of uh, being honest and being decent to other people and coming out of that uh, there's a new revolution a physical revolution against the old Protestant and Catholic institutions of the old world to create a new government a new country a new system 1776 America the United States of America whatever and a lot of that was inspired by the core belief structures of some of the earlier Christians by the ancient republics of old Rome of Greece and other places Um, and so they created a new system which continues on um, throughout the years, 1776 after 1776, a lot, of the, a lot of the founding fathers were very religious. Some of them were Catholics. Some of them were Freemasons. Some of them were Protestants, but some of them weren't very religious. So this doesn't—it's there's more going on. It's very complicated. It's not just simple like religion, no religion, atheist. No, it's it's very. And and by the way, the um, the atheist enlightenment movement kind of ended very poorly. And it wasn't actually the, the uh, revival that people think of it as. That's another discussion. But the, the, your brief synopsis, the, the revivals are almost always a return to God and the basic function of human beings, the way that they were designed to function, the way that's most healthy, the way that's most successful for human beings to function. It's not just Leaving that to the side and saying no, I don't want to believe in God. So, uh, let's do this science thing Now that's a whole other thing to be talked about another day but if you have the freedom to look at things and You're not under the boots of the Roman Catholic Church, then you can do science So the revival which started with people like Martin Luther who is a Christian tied to the printing press during that pr- process and but by the way, the, the, the Roman yeah monks, well the, the Catholic monks and some of the Protestant monks were actually the ones, the more religious ones I would say, the more closer perhaps to the actual teachings of Jesus and further away from the actual corrupt system of the Roman uh, the Catholic Church. These are the people who actually recorded history during the quote, dark ages of this middle evil medieval ages. These are the historians. So this revival out of the Middle Ages um, was very much a revival of God, a revival of the, Catholic, uh, the Christian religions. And with Martin Luther, the printing press, and other things like that, it birthed new free trade, free trade of information, the free trade of like making papers, right? And news journalism that came out of Martin Luther and that time period. And that was also seized by the elites and turned into yet another pyramid scheme, another, we're just going to call them pyramids from here on out, another pyramid. And, of course, that pyramid we know is MSN or the corporate news or just the general news systems and ecosystems. Another pyramid, another establishment. But what happened in 1776, so we have a new establishment being formed from the Renaissance that came out of the Middle Ages, last well, previous cycle i believe um and also the renaissance and the freedom of be, having a new land to get away from the old empires the old empire actually one empire sorry is was the uh, the british empire okay and the, the empire of england which spanned all over the world and stuff that was at the end of the previous cycle and now in 1776 and now 18 1810 I believe it is we see the final step of that revolution where the United, United the the England Empire uh, re- realized that the colonies had gotten away from them and they invaded, attacked and then burned down the White House of the new country. However, that's about all they did. that's about all they could do. They were trying to attack each other but they kept missing. And so that's why they ended up burning down the White House and not killing the enemy forces. But how it ended up is it kind of fizzled out and they left, they lost, ultimately, because they lost the 13 colonies. And so the 13 colonies became a new nation, a new country, a new establishment, a place to build new pyramids. Or hopefully, you know, try some new things out and have some good things come of this. That evolved into the 1850s and 1860s when the mm, proto-communist uh, South, the Confederates, created their own political party. Not the parties of the old 1776 age, but a whole new party called the Dixie Cret Party. And then in the North, a new party was created called the Republican Party, the first Republican nomination. Abraham Lincoln, and these two groups fought over, initially some of the southern states seceded, because they wanted to be separate from the Union, and they were afraid that the North would force them to give up their slave trade, okay, so there's a lot of other reasons too, I'm sure, like cultural reasons, and like, hey, we want to be separate from you, so they started seceding. Now, the North, at first, didn't really know much to do. I don't think Abraham Lincoln had been elected quite yet. But in the process, they saw that, okay, well, you are holding some of our forts while you're seceding. So technically, those are our forts, the Union's forts, the North's forts, or General America's forts, the United States of America's forts. And since you're not part of the United States in America, we want those forts. And I'm not claiming this is the only tipping point, but this and then abraham lincoln coming into power and um his policies brought about the civil war and so the civil war is essentially okay the south is already leaving but the north doesn't want to let it leave we want to keep those forts abraham lincoln's like no we need to keep this union together keep it strong and before that there had been Many concessions to which the government of the United States had grown bigger, but it started out very small. Initially, in 1776, the federal government was just like a janitor, I guess you could say, taking care of the back end so that each state could live as its own state, a.k.a. country, because the original word "state" really just meant country back in the day. And so, you had all these these 13 countries essentially that were their own unique country, but were unified in one aspect through the federal government. Over time, that got bigger. And after uh, Abraham Lincoln gained power during the process of the Civil War, it had its largest increase of power in the history of the United States of America to that point. The Civil War, um, I'm sure as most of you know... uh, Civil War ended with the North just barely beating the South and forcing the South to rejoin the Union thus ensuring that the government of the United States of America kept power not only over the North but also over the South one of the few but very substantial benefits of this finalization was now, the South was forced to end their slave trade earlier than any other civilization, one of the f- first civilizations, in fact, one of only two civilizations to end slavery. Finally, the North and the South were both uh, slavery free but not not very not equal just yet, but slavery was ended now. In other places in the world, the UK, the United Kingdom, the, the old Empire of England, which was slowly evolving itself, not quite so radically like America, but slowly evolving through precedents and, and laws that have been passed. And they got rid of their king's ultimate power, but, and then created prime minister and added more departments, you know, like the, the commons or whatever. Sorry, sorry guys, I'm going to get it all wrong, but they have their own parliament system, their own not Congress, but like parliament Parliament system. There you go. Parliament. And other systems as back checks so that the pr- the king doesn't have all the power. And then there's a prime minister and he gains more power over time. The Lords give him more power and the king becomes more of an icon and a figure that has technical power but not actual not actual power like in in use. No power in use. Like, okay, yeah, sure you can go to war. You whatever you say. You now like more of a figurehead more and more but during this time um they also ended slavery in their own country i believe and many of the colonies but not everywhere in the empire of england first they started ending slavery in sections of the the british empire and then america ended slavery in the entirety of the united states of america The North was already actually already freed, and there were many uh, slaves living as, or not slaves, but there were many people who were natively descended from Africa who used to been slaves, or their ancestors were slaves, who were living normally with with the Northern civilization. Maybe not as equally, but definitely not as slaves. And even there were some uh, black uh, pastors and leaders in the North, at that time, so the North was already pretty good to go. Maybe one more cultural revolution, but the North was pretty good to go on track, but the South was way off. And so, the one good thing that happened, very substantial, in the wake of the Civil War, even if even though the Civil War was more about maintaining power of the United States federal government and other or uh, corporate international power reasons um the the one major good side effect was okay now all of north america is free from slavery and at that time a lot of the british kingdom was free but not every colony of the british kingdom so actually america technically beat the brits the brits started it earlier but america's finished earlier and then the brits ended up finishing for the and then, you know, there's some other countries like India and, and uh, uh, I don't know, other countries that wanted to be more like the Constitutional Republic of America or like the uh, British pseudo feudal, whatever the heck you want to call their government, republic, feudal, gov- feudal republic, I guess you could call it. Those countries that wanted to be like these two. The Burgeoning Empire of, North Amer- of the United States of America and the Old Empire of England, which was changing, also got rid of slaves. But the people who started it and enforced it in their own colonies was the British Empire. Bear in mind, slavery has existed since the dawn of human civilization. And the only two civilizations to actually fight and enforce the ending of slavery was the United States of America and the British Empire period then you go along and after 17 uh, after 1865 when the Civil War ended you have this period of time where it's kind of like a new time of stability okay so if there's the war of 1776 where the establishment the new establishment was created but not yet corrupted and then there's the war which maintains the power of this new establishment, the new government of America, and gives the people more freedom. And so is a kind of a a new time of freedom and capability, prosperity. And that goes on until the First World War. So, when we go to the First World War, what we end up having here is... Um, This itself is like a cycle of four. In this last loop of Ouroboros, war we have like a cycle of four, and that's four cycles. Uh, you could, you could. Uh, there's a book written about them. I think it's called the uh, the Fourth Turning, where it's talking about every eighty years there's a new um, war and a new cycle of. Uh, uh, let's see if So on the screen here I'm showing the age old meme of a bunch of Romans who are dressed up as Romans and they're pointing around on a cliff with ships on the ocean down there uh, down off the cliff and it says hard times create strong man and then there's a beautiful scene of ancient Rome all these pillars and ships and painted like like the statues are wearing clothing like robes it's weird strong men create good times and then it goes on to where there's a whole bunch of like half half naked uh romans running around in their in their pillared areas that says good times create weak men and then an apocalyptic scene uh also in rome weak men create hard times so this is a meme and this is the four turnings Okay, I haven't read the book, so I'm not going to use their terminology. But this is the four seasons of the full Ouroboros cycle. Essentially, what you have, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. So basically, in the last... Maybe it's actually two cycles, if you think about it. But um, we might be going over two Ouroboros or two cycles... It's a little confusing because technically, the 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 establishment of the United States, America, the federal government, was founded in seventeen seventy six. After that last um, cycle with the with the the old world and the Catholicism, the old uh, post uh, uh, dark post medieval time period, and so those hard times of the of the. Revolutionary War created sp- strong men in good times and then created weak men and yet another uh, war and then you so you could actually say that's a full cycle and then it starts once again after <laughs> excuse me the Civil War where after the Civil War you have a new boom. but I kind of actually think of it a little bit bigger like this is actually... Ouroboros, the snake eating itself cut in half and the first half is 1776 with the war the new creation creates this this good time period that goes until um, the Civil War and then once again there's the the uh, that war and out of it is birthed a new good time period um, after 1860s right I would say something around the, along, along the lines of the, the second half of War Wars is another loop of this meme. Hard times create strong men, strong men create good times. And that would be 1860s until once again another war. This time the war is World War One. So and the reason why I'm thinking of it all is the same loop, it it's 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 semantical, I guess. You could say, well, each each cycle of 80 years is one loop of Ouroboros, but the reason why I'm saying it, as there's like two or three of these cycles, one or four turnings maybe in this in this one loop, or this one Ouroboros, four steps. Uh, well, there's four steps in this thing here, right? But I'm saying there's at least three cycles of this in the greater, because we're talking about the United States government. So... Uh, in the United States, also the West in general, so I mean there's different ways of looking at it, but it's definitely cyclical in this way. World War one we had hard times the around that time period in, in in the West, not just in the United States, you know with the spanish influenza Germany, and out of that came the National Socialist Party that Hitler ended up controlling in In Germany and uh, the the First World War which ended badly for the Germans which left them very um, unhappy and out of that is where you can obviously you can read more about World War 1 it's everywhere on the internet and in different places different opinions and stuff we're just gonna do a brief synopsis after after the after Germany lost and they were very bruised very upset all sanctioned and and they were charged a lot of money for the war and expected to pay for all their damages and more and the people were not happy with that they had this hard time period and germany out of that created the leader adolf hitler and why i say created instead of just like oh i'm a demon coming from another dimension coming in here i'm gonna impose my will is a lot of what he did was a feedback loop with his audience his people in his speeches and the people who were part of his movement, not just the Nazi party, which is National Socialism in German Uh, the whole phrase is like I can't speak German, but the point is we simplified it down to Nazism but what it really is and was, was a new form of Marxism called National Socialism so this new form of Marxism spread across Germany after World War One, and with Hitler at the the at the front of it, he also being on quite a few uh, augmentative narcotics, we'll call them uh, drugs. He was on some crazy drugs, cocaine, and I believe some some sort of shrooms or something. He's going crazy, um, and his fan base is going crazy, and they're ecstatic, and they want something new. They want a good time again for Germany. So that's brewing pre-World War II, while post-World War I, once again pre-World War II, in the United States, there is another hard time, aka the Great Depression, what people call the Great Depression. So during this time, um, Here's the week, the Great Depression, okay? And um, there's a lot to be said about these times period. This is a summary. I'm kind of just summarying it all up for this discussion because I'm trying to move along. But basically, it, 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 it's... I don't want to dumb it down too much. I'm not an expert on the Great Depression. But from what I understand, out of the Great Depression, we needed... Once again, hard times to create strong men, essentially. And this is a, you know, if you're offended by the term men, then this is probably the wrong podcast by it for you. But um, it's a way of saying mankind, essentially. Or humanity, you know, mankind, human beings. Men typically are the ones who fight in wars. And so they typically are... Also, the leaders in civilizations oftentimes. But you could be all like, "Well, during the hard times, the queen got strong, okay?" And so the queen, the female, is now strong female. You know, the lizard queen. I mean, I mean, uh, the the you know World War Two. So World War Two, the the lady who supposedly drove uh, trucks and somehow still is alive today. Um, during the the hard times of the, the 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 Germans' hard times, their own hard times, and then the America's hard times, and worldwide the hard times from the quote Great Depression unquote. Out of that came not only strong men but a new war. So we're kind of well. There's no oh, okay. So I guess at the end of the hard times comes the war because they don't really show a war section here. So basically, out of this loop. We had World War Two. What was happening was, okay, Germany's like, okay, it's our turn for good times now. How are we going to do this? War. So we're going to start invading people. So they started invading people, but I think the first one to fire a shot was actually Japan. Correct me if I'm wrong. Japan invaded China. The communists of the time in China fled into like Nepal and the nationalist pro-Chinese nation. That's what nationalism means. is just pro the nation that you live in. The nationalists of China defended against the Japanese. That's at the start of World War F and II. That devolved into the totalitarian of World War II where Germany invaded Prussia. They invaded France. France was real easy. They gave the white flag real quick. It's a bit of a joke but they do like surrendering for some reason. And that evolved into, you know, bombing England. That's a little later. But also, there was a point in time where the Japanese and a certain place called Pearl Harbor. All right. We need to do a freedom of information request of the federal government. But that takes a lot of money and a lot of time. It is a quite, uh, so from my understanding, they have now declassified the knowledge about the the Japan's attack in Pearl Harbor, Japanese invasion of Pearl Harbor. And in their classification, to the best of my knowledge, they released the fact that they were aware there were Japanese submarines, that they being the United States federal government and the president at the time, were aware that there were submarines around the area, and they sunk them and didn't tell anyone and hit it interesting they kept sinking them and also encroaching on the territory that was waters under the feudal Empire of Japan trying to like poke the poke the the spiky creature what, what's it called a porcupine you know the, the, the porcupine or whatever the spiky creature yeah, poke the porcupine or whatever Get that little snake to fight back. And then, when Pearl Harbor happened, they let it. After encouraging it, they let it. Why? Well, the elites of the time, the president and the other people who ruled America during the beginning of World War II, were ready to go to war, but the people who lived in America weren't. The war was over in Europe. In Asia it was not relevant in their opinion many of them the majority to them so to get people riled up and ready to go to war they allowed Pearl Harbor to happen after this America was ready to go to war now you might be like oh that's not true that's fake news go ahead Prove it wrong. That's fine. Either way, after Pearl Harbor, now suddenly the propaganda was real slick and real quick and real good to go. One of those institutions that I talked about, Martin Luther starting, the press had now come to a full climax, full pyramid. It had become a full pyramid by now in the print news media and then the TV news media. And this pyramid was in complete control and seeding by the United States federal government. They are not so much complete control as a very beneficial relationship where the government's like, hey, you can say this, you can say that, please say this, please don't say that. And, hey, we'll give you some guys you can employ when they when they're done working for the government and we'll give you special bailouts and special privileges and... It's it's a beneficial relationship. We'll let you know when the next war is, and so on and so forth. So the media then is able to, for a great deal many of people, drum the drum the drum the drums of war and get people riled up to fight Japan. But what did they end up doing? Some of them went and fought Japan. You know, the UK conquered Malaysia, that was conquered by the Japanese, by the way. So they reconquered Malaysia. The United Kingdom did it, and that area. Uh, like Indonesia Philippines was conquered by the United States reconquered once again because Japan conquered all that area and they took it back and eventually gave it to the original like the average the, aborig- the people who live there you know the Malaysians the Filipinos the Indonesians ended up getting their own countries eventually but at this point in time it was Japan taking that over so England and America took it back and then uh, Japan I think you probably know that story but that's not all that they were doing. The United States of America went into Europe because, hey, after uh, Hitler's friend, like half friend—I don't know if they even spoke. They probably spoke, but I don't think I, I don't think they had a lot of chats. Not like you know, Hitler and Mussolini were real good friends. You know, fascism and Nazism right beside each other. Uh, Mussolini being of Italy, creating his uh, national. It was kind of like a a form of nationalism with a different form of socialism combined which created fascism essentially where corporations or big corporations um, still have some anonymity or some separation from the government, some freedom, but they work directly with the government to essentially work together with the government directly to create better war machines and better propaganda and hence the term fascism, which is essentially the combination of corporations and the government working directly with each other with no checks and balances. So fascism in Italy and nat- Nazism, or National Socialism in Germany. So Mussolini actually and Hitler, Mussolini supposedly was in a room thinking about not doing war and Hitler took some drugs and he was, Yeah! We got to the war, man! We got to the war! You know, so that's that's that. But uh, Jer- uh, Russia, Japan is this whole other thing, and I guess they were allies: Japan, Germany, Italy, and Russia, at the, Al- the Axis they're called, and then the Allies of the West um, opposed them. So it was actually Hitler who declared war on the United States after America attacked Japan because of Pearl Harbor, allegedly, yeah, he let Pearl Harbor happen. And so then it was like, okay, now we get to officially go attack the, ja- the, 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 the Germans and the Italians because we're at war with them attacking them officially. And without a shadow of doubt, no rational person, I do believe, who's studied enough history could say that it wasn't the United States of America that won that war. Not saying they could have done it all by themselves, but they were the last piece of the puzzle, the last very decisive that's where the american military industrial complex really was birthed into its modern form that's where the military of america became the dominant force dominant military dominant navy dominant air force dominant army dominant military on earth at the end of world war ii when the united states federal military helped the rest of the west defeat the Nazis and the fascists and the Japanese and after Hitler was a dumbass and attacked his allies, the Russians, and just sucked ass in the cold of the of the the winter <laughs> let's send you to the Russian front no, please don't do that I don't like the Russian front it's no good, please no, please no uh, no, no, no after that uh, the leaders in Russia were like hey well fuck the Germans they betrayed us so we might as well so you could be like well actually it was the Russians that were the final step to be honest though that's a false economy yes they were helpful made a big difference that wall in, the, in, in if the Germans had not betrayed the Russians the war would have lasted a lot longer but dare I say who got the nukes first America made the difference in that war with the two nukes, the nuclear weapons, Fat Man and Big Boy, that they that's that named them Fat Man, and Big Boy. That's where Fat Man from Fallout 4 comes from, and Big Boy from. Are you a Big Boy? I don't. Think. The point, the point being, those nukes dropping Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that des, not decimated, obliterated whole cities, killed many people, but left even more with radiation poisoning that mutated them. Not like four f- toes or four feet or whatever, like. But like mutated them with sores and like welts and killed them slowly. Uh, Japan was like, oh fuck. You got us. And like a lot of the leaders committed higher... seppuku, not Harakiri. Dishonorable suicide. Because they felt that they had lost and failed their people. So they just killed themselves with their swords. That happened. And after that, they were massively cucked. And I mean this. Massively cucked. The Japanese culture... Changes over time, but it's never recovered from that. Cuckening. Now, this is a mean way you say it. I understand. Yet, it is factually true. Some people would say, well, Japanese shouldn't have done the thing thing and gotten cucked. And other people are like, well, how dare you? Well, nuclear weapons should never be used. I'm not saying an opinion of that at all. I'm just stating what happens. Out of that, their own geekiness with uh, sea life, um and their obsession with nuclear weapons for some reason, came the new Japanese culture, which birthed modern manga and anime. I'm not saying it was because they were nuked. I'm just saying it all plays into it. And some of their repressiveness of their sexuality, which came out of, I think, was a lot of Western influence, um, but also their own culture. Uh, Basically, if they hadn't been nuked, and there hadn't been this, this... incident in world war two um i'm not saying they wouldn't have invented some sort of manga or manga or anime they kind of already had already created some pornographic fish art but um it definitely would be different we've definitely living in a different world and cultures would be different in both places they if they both stayed separate and there was this no global like connection between the japanese and the americans then manga and, ja- and ja- anime would have stayed in Japan everything happens and then changes things so understanding that helps you understand that okay so bad things do happen sometimes some good things come of it sometimes good things happen and ends up there's bad things that happen after that so that's that's the that's the low down on Japan so finally you beat you've beaten the Germans. You've beaten the Japs, you've beaten the Italians, and boom. There's no world empires. Because Germany was trying to create an empire, and so was Japan and Russia. They all failed in creating the... And Russia wasn't... Well, that's a whole other... That's, that's later. That's a new, new patch update. And so now there's this period where war is over. Time for a new revival. A return to God. A new pr- prosperous prosperity, new prosperous time because the hard times were over and the strong men were here to create good times. So how this manifested was actually the United States federal government holding the largest stick and at the end of World War II, having a bunch of boats that just conquered Third of the fourth of the world essentially back from the Japanese and the the uh, British no the Japanese and the oh yeah technically sort of like uh, the the Germans uh, and the 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 fuck uh, all those the axis and allies look it up okay so the point is after that period of time they're holding the stick they have the power what do you think to do with it well now at the final climax of the full Ouroboros Cycle of the United States. There have been several of these hard times, weak men, thingy, Majabor cycles. Um, let's say each one of these is a chapter. There's only four chapters per loop. or uh, Okay, so we're gonna do it this way. Because I still see it as one Ouroboros Cycle because it's one civilization. Um, but basically what you have here is there's four parts to the sections and there's been essentially four sections. You got 1776, the four parts to it that led up to the Civil, the civil War, then World War I and II, more or less in the same section, and then you've got, once again, leaving it uh, after World War I and two to right about here. Okay, so uh, and then this would be the end of the American civilization and its rebirth into something else. Although it sort of happened on a smaller scale, one, two, three times already. You know, 1776 to the Civil War, Civil War to World War I, two, and then the fourth time would be in the future, um, which would birth out a whole new civilization hypothetically, or another one of these loops. So You can see it down at the smaller scale, with the the four sections. This meme here, Uh, you can see at the smaller scale with the four sections, which is this meme here, Um, uh, and then each one of these has happened uh, three times at least in just the United States, burgeoning from uh, being a small country, uh, a small uh, uh, alliance of states or countries. Into a, a larger unified union over the North and the South, and then into a global empire. At the end of the Second World War, the United States of America stood with the largest stick and decided to become a global empire. Using the largest navy that had existed up until that point in the past 10,000 years of human history, as far as we are aware, they basically said to all the countries in the wake, we're gonna start this new trade. There's been trade in the past, but we're gonna be the kings of the new trade system. And this new trade system works like this. You trade the way that we say people can trade. We, we make up the rules. If you abide by the rules, it's good for you. If you don't, it's bad for you. How this manifests, well, we've got the largest navy. If you abide by the rules, you're protected by that navy. If you don't abide by the rules, You're not protected by that navy. And maybe that navy will be used against you. Maybe. Hypothetically. And this created a global trade system. Now there have been a lot of advances in the... Basically, the human being's prosperity, ultimate prosperity, is judged by the poorest person. So when... In the Middle Ages, the poorest person was eating rats. Um, in the Middle Ages, in Europe and other places, and dying because of bubonic plague. That's a pretty, pretty low spot to be. Now, of course, the richer people are above that. But you could even judge it by the richest people. The richest people back then were eating meat and taking a shower once a week. Okay. Then you came to after this modern revolution with you know the Enlightenment. Uh, focusing on certain kind of scientific um, pursuits and engineering, the industrial revolution and advances in technology and understanding of uh, bioorganic uh, creatures like uh, bacteria and stuff. Out of all of those revolutions and those new advancements and out of World War II, the discovery of penicillin and all these other things with the addition of a free-trade-based system of trading, capitalism, the poorest person in the West was upgraded from that bubonic plague survivor to having a refrigerator. And nowadays, in the modern era, uh, a refrigerator, a TV, and chicken, beef, vegetables, all on a very low income proportionately but let's say they're the poorest of the poor now obviously the poorest of the poor are usually are wandering the streets but when you have the poorest class that has a home versus the poorest class who had a home back then in the middle ages the poorest class of the who had a home back in the middle ages you've got someone starving to death versus the poorest class and someone who has a home even if they're just renting it Who aren't starving to death. They can afford the food. Because the food is mass produced. And the kings. Of the middle ages. uh, Basically. The poorest people. On earth today. Even across the entire globe. For the most part. Live like kings in the middle ages. They have access to things. Even kings would dream of. So this process of gaining new technology and then finding a way to trade on, trade the technology for other services on a fairly open and free system after World War II and also before revolutionized the life of the average human being. Instead of it being, well, whatever I can plant and what I can grow and I can hunt, that's all I got, it became if anyone can plant it Anyone can grow it or anyone can shoot it, har- farm it, or harvest or invent it. All you need to do is also provide something to trade into a, cur- a currency or a monetary system and then you can have access to those same things. So this was the ultimate modern revolution of capitalism. Now mind you, capitalism is based upon the concept of free trade, which is at the center. I've shown this before in previous v- videos, I think, where, where it's like this... You have capitalism, we have free trade here, and you have capitalism, okay? So it's not perfect free trade, because ultimately the greed of man will corrupt every system, and it's also more complicated, but even with this imperfect system based on free trade, capitalism, the average human being has been lifted out of abject poverty, essentially been lifted out of the Middle Ages basic uh, farming, basic survival area into the modern age where they have things that the, the, the richest people of the Middle Ages could not even dream of. And this didn't just happen after World War II, but it was amplified in World War II. It became exponential. Okay, so this is one of the good things about capitalism. I will in the future speak about bad things about capitalism, but this is one of the beautiful things when you have a whole bunch of people to trade with, you have the ability for something called specialization, and this has happened in the past. There was capital. There's been cap, capitalism essentially been around since um, the dawn of civilization, all the times. Um, but this was like the biggest globalized form of capitalism, which made that not only can you trade your bread for some cor- some silver, gold coins of silver. I mean, so sorry, so gold coins with Caesar on the coin, right? Use that Caesar on the coin and trade. The, it's not bread anymore. It's Caesar coin face bread. Uh, fuck. And then you use that coin to trade for uh, a, a hoe. No, not that kind of hoe. Okay. You use this hoe to dig in the earth and plant new seeds. And now you can grow corn too. You know, it's like, so that was the old form. But now you could do it with someone on the other side of the world. So after the World War II, this global trade went crazy. Globalism, as far as the trade element of globalism spawned from the end of World War II and the United States federal government's system that everyone abided by so they could be under the protection, most people, most of the countries abided by, so they could be under the protection of the Navy, and then the people who are like, oh, I don't want to be part of that system aren't under the protection of the Navy, and then guess what? It kind of allowed for this global trade to burgeon out and explode, and from that you get the modern age which starts maybe right around 1980 I don't know like 1990s ish and that is where we see the height of the most recent loop the this one right here right here this one right here so that is Roughly nineteen eighty eight or nineteen ninety, that area period right there. The nineteen nineties was the height of the entire Ouroboros League loop of the American and possibly some of the other Western civilizations. So once again we had another one of these smaller loops of hard times create strong men, strong men create good times. The nineteen nineties was those good times. This is after the Civil War. Slaves are freed, after the 1960s, after the feminist revolutions, where w- women were like, hey, we want to vote. We also want to fuck and pump and dump. And and that was later, like in the 1950s or 60s. And then the social revolution of the 60s and the 70s, where it's like, hey, well, what about black people? Why can't we drink at the same fountains? You know, it's like, let's integrate and actually be one group of people instead of being all these separate, fractioned off like two or three separate fractioned off people. You know, the brown people and the white people. Gotta keep them separate. Okay, so um, while the Republicans of the North and the Dixiecrats, who became Democrats of the South, started off on the opposite sides over the past 150 years from the Civil War to the current day, unlike what the corporate media news would like you to believe in the, some of the historians. It's actually quite interesting. The Losers r- wrote the history books in this in this segment of history. A lot of the history books are based off of several books written by Dixiecrats. The Losers. So it's like, wait a minute, what? Um, anyways, unlike what they want you to believe, there was actually no party s- switch. No party switcheroo. It's like you wouldn't say your favorite ice cream switched well, your left foot and your right foot switched. Why would you say that about a political party? Seven people at the most left and went over to the other side. The entire voter base did not, and neither did the majority of the people, the hundreds of people in the government who declared themselves Republican and Democrat. Actually, what happened, more close to what happened, while they stayed far away from each other in the theater of media and entertainment and politics view the papers and the TV shows and the, the news. They stayed on opposite sides in illusionary terms. In other words, it appeared that they stayed on opposite sides. Ultimately, what they ended up doing was growing closer together. And this may sound crazy, but if you actually have worked in Washington or met people who talked in Washington, their tribalism, for the most part, goes as far as the camera is turned on when you turn the camera off it's like okay so you want to do this now nah, i don't really want to do that but i'm not going to scream and reach at you and 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 call you a white supremacist because because the cameras are turned off i'm not going to wear my mask either because the cameras are turned off it's all theater so actually what happened is the two parties merged together and became what i call the biparty. party monoparty, or just the party, or duopoly, how other people call it. That's a whole other video. But during that process, no flip, right? They just grew together, and during that process, they started latching on to the military-industrial complex after World War II, and the profits of the military-industrial complex were shared with the politicians, and that's what created the the obsession with never-ending wars in the 1990s and the 2000s. So, at the height in 1990s, 1980s, and 1990s, the height of the American Empire, there was good times. And then once again, this birthed out, as the meme goes, as the, the metaphor goes, or whatever. Weak men. Okay. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we're currently. Probably a little bit more down at this point. So, if history repeats, which it has been for the past 10,000 years, we would be right here, at about here, or here, right, in the 2020s, at the beginning of a new cycle inside of the Ouroboros chain of this specific empire. The one world. Empire of America and why and why I call it the one world Empire of America is because that's what it is uh, It encompasses Canada Not so much Mexico, but they're connected and I'll, I'll explain how that works, but Canada United States of America It's not really a country anymore, but it's a whole other uh, UK right In, uh, India Australia New Zealand. Most of Europe. Okay. That's the West. But really what that is is the American Empire. And I know a lot of people from other countries and other places like no, we're independent. And there is something to be said about that. But after seventeen seventy six, essentially this is something that keeps repeating over and over again. When people talk about one world government, new world order, blah 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 these are concepts that sound new and conspiratorial however technically what the meaning of those concepts are has existed for hundreds of thousands of years every time there's an empire trying to create to conquer they are literally trying to create a one-world government this is what i call the one-world empire so you have the roman empire you have the british empire you have the american empire and the american empire now through globalism expands through Canada, it expands Australia, New Zealand, and the United uh, Kingdom, and most of Europe. Now these each have their own way of manifesting it, but it is essentially the birthing out of World War II, where America became the one world dominant superpower, the empire, and then all of these other countries latched to, to, to the United States as a kind of barnacles on a fish, and so when the United States goes to war in Iraq, Afghanistan, all these other countries also go into war with Iraq, with Afghanistan, as if it's another World War II, even though it's not. Instead of being like, well, that's America's war, all of them go into war. This is how an empire functions. America is essentially the head of the state of this empire. So this is essentially we've already been a one world Empire a one world government if you want to call it since World War II and there was the League of Nations before the United Nations and the United Nations but the United Nations tends to not be very anything it doesn't really do a whole lot of much because it has everyone in the world in even the countries that we'd be fighting so it's not really anything instead what the real one world government became is the United States federal government, the UK government, and you know the Vatican, and the other lesser governments all unified together doing the same thing. Now, and some issues, like okay, Europe is going to do the European Union, America doesn't need to do that because it already has the largest, most corrupt and objectively evil government that has existed in the past 10,000 years of human history, the United States federal government already, after the Civil War, unifying the whole country under one banner, instead of it being all these different countries, aka the United States of America or like the instead of the United Countries of America or states as they're called it became the United States of America okay, so the way I'm phrasing it sounds a little confusing but basically 1776 there were all these different countries The 13 colonies were essentially countries unified with a backup government after a period of times Before the Civil War, and then definitely with the finalization at the end of the Civil War, they were no longer countries with their own independence, but now just simply providences of an empire. After Well, providences of a country, and then after World War II, providences of a country that is an empire with all these other countries that walk in tow with this government. You get along with the United States government, or you've got the largest military against you. And so what happens is this out of the world War two and in the to the never ending wars of the 1990s and the two you know nineteen ninety nine two thousand thousand one the 2000s the never ending uh you know there was one before two thousand you know there was the they call it Operation Desert Storm, and then there was one after call operation Oriol. no I'm wait 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 operation Iraqi freedom <laughs> right so the, the never-ending War started in the '90s or the '70s. wait, anyway, the Cold War I skipped over, but that's because it was cold and uh, it's too much to go into. But after the nineteen, you know, the nineteen nineties. So we have this empire, and it's already a one-world government because it's working with all the other smaller sections of its governance, okay, together on par. And this was all before twenty twenty, okay. The one world empire existed before 2020. And then 2020 happened and it became readily apparent. Now, with the explosion of the internet, the information is not only in the hands of the printing press establishment, the pyramid that was a corruption of what Martin Luther created, right? The corruption of it evolved into the pyramid of the printing press, which evolved into also the news media telecommunication companies and that was the ultimate establishment in media and then Hollywood and entertainment, video games and everything. Google Big May, remember? So May is what we're talking about here. But now with the internet and the ability for people who aren't part of that system to reach out to people, even like one person at a time, suddenly the narratives get challenged and people start on en masse awakening to the realities of Reality, the, the truths about reality you know, the understanding of what happens and continually happens and this creates a paradigm that has possibly never happened before however, there have always been these revolutions and all these these, these revivals and these cycles, like I've said those have always happened, but at this point in time it's gone global Okay, there is no more Iraq or Russia or you know, Mexico. And you know you could see that all of South America was actually part of the empire, the same empire. It's part of the one world government. It has been this entire time. And you can see that clearly with how they responded during 2020. Were they saying, oh, but the CDC is an American thing. We're not going to take the advice of America so we're going to do our own thing. No, everybody walked the same walk and talked the same talk and did the exact same thing. The British, Brazilian government, which is more maybe right-wing and quote-based, unquote, uh, actually encouraged like a ton of vaccination. They got like 80% vaccination over there. Like 90% maybe in Argentina. I don't know the exact numbers of all of them, but it's very high in South America. Not all of South America, but a lot of countries. And then also in Europe. Right? And this is a vaccine which isn't actually a vaccine. It's an mRNA gene therapy tool. Technically, it's not a vaccine. Vaccines take the corpse of the virus, put it into your system, and then let your white blood cells attack it and learn from it to fight it. This is actually, they inject a human-made virus called a messenger RNA. So RNA is a kind of part of chemical thing, like DNA, but not a DNA. It's like a programmer of DNAs. Okay. So that, not literally a virus, but it functions much like a virus. They take a DNA programmer, they throw the programmer in there, and the programmer attacks your white blood cells and forcibly reprograms them literally, literally to the will of the elites. So that you can, oh, not get sick, whatever. And they've also talked about creating this in an aerosol form, so it functions objectively, like a virus, spreading from person to person, this mRNA gene therapy, which they call vaccine. um, They're already working on creating it in air form so that it can spread from person to person, just like a virus. And yet, it's already shown to be far more problematic, possibly even more deadly than the virus. Like 2% into the disclosure about the information about this said um, mRNA, genetic tampering, uh, genetic therapy, we're going to call it, because um, it's not a virus. Vir- viruses, like I said, explain to you what a virus was. It's not a virus. It's an MRA, which is a programmer of DNA put into your body to reprogram your DNA. That is a fact. It's to reprogram the DNA of your white blood cells so they can, yeah, attack the virus. But it's a much more obtrusive and a forceful way to do it than the natural way of letting your body respond and do its own modification as opposed to letting your body do its own modification. It's forcing the modification upon your body. And now Microsoft and other companies have actually already started creating uh, the technology to use that mRNA gene therapy and put it into the air. This is a fact. You can look it up. But don't be calling me a conspiracy theorist, you fucking hack. And this could then spread person to person, just like a virus, and then thus forcibly inoculate people with experimental gene therapy. Just wanted to say that, to give you one little thing that happened in 2020, if you, or 2020, 2021, and beyond, if you want to find out more about what happened in 2020, if you don't know, or if you want to refresher, your head over to Lulu.com, uh... Slash search, and then you type in the search box, Big Mr. T. I'll see if I can link the digital in one of these future videos or in this video. Also, there is um, the uh, audio. So uh, stay tuned if you're on audio, how to get the digital. It's already in existence. I don't have it memorized, and I'm going to switch the entire platform I upload the digital to. You can email me directly and get a free copy if you email me and say something nice about my show at jarve But that's the only time I'm gonna give out that email, so like this is your one chance of getting the digital for free. But um so what happened in 2020, this is no longer a revival. Okay, so it's this is gonna go back a little bit ways, way back. For a refresher to get some understanding of how these cycles work, the Hebrew nation, the at this point in time, for the most part, these religious or godlike revivals, for the most part, were exclusively in the Hebrew nation at this one point period of time, and the Hebrew nation had this revival with Abraham. And okay, let's go back to regular Godism. We're going to call it Godism or Jesusism, but let's just because it's not just a religion; it's a core belief structure that's that after this core belief structure is revivaled, then the elites find it and take it. Still, like I said, Satan cannot create, he can only steal, and then create a whole religion out of it. A pyramid. Okay? So in, in ancient Hebrew, the country, the religion, vision, the language, the everything, that was a revival there, and then there were several revivals. They went to Egypt twice and there was a revival and came out. And created the 12 tribes of Israel different people different words different people but but they're exactly the same no they're not Hebrews Israel's, Hebrews Israelites okay it's like saying you know grandfather is exactly the same as his grandson no they're not so this new civilization 12 tribes of Israel boils down to two Judah and Israel and then the Romans invade. So this whole cycle is happening again. And once again a new revival during Jesus' time. And Jesus' time and he goes off, you know, his movement spawns a whole new return to Godism called Jesusism. And that is with the Apostles going off and calling themselves or being called Christians. like, And then from that, the elites once again latch, latch onto that and create a new pyramid religion called the holy well i would say unholy the catholic church of the vatican the holy Roman empire so on and so forth but before that the ancestors the descendants of ishmael from from abraham right he goes off to the side okay and lives in an area now he's not the sole ancestor of all arabs okay but he lives in an area okay where the arabs descend from okay and whether or not Muhammad was descended from Ishmael is kind of irrelevant because in the end after Muhammad you know this create like this whole Islam religion springs up right after Christianity um it springs up and you know Muhammad was actually like you know Jesus was a cool guy and he like wrote that into the books or they had it written into the books but at the same time um him and his, his crusades and the, ap- after him there was many uh, Islamic crusades that spawned uh, were a lot about killing Christians and also killing other Muslims so bear this in mind it's, the killing part is not you might think it's all about religion but it's not it's not so much about religion um, it, it, that's just like the first it's like stepping past the, the curtains and, and you see a light but it's dark and then you step past the curtains further, and then your eyes adjust, and you see that the light is actually uh, a, a light shining on a blanket. And then you get closer, and you realize that the light's off, but the blanket itself is glowing. And then you pull up the blanket, and you, and you see a bunny, and the bunny's holding a light. Well, the first initial impression is there's just a light, but where does the light come from? It, you know, the the um, you know, war is 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 a constant. Religion is also something that is common. But when you act like the war is all about, you know, religions against each other, when you look in history, you find that the truth is actually a lot more complicated. Typically, people who try to dumb down and simplify things um, mislead you, whether they do so intentionally, usually intentionally, but maybe they're just too stupid or un-intelligent. In, um, Uninformed, uh, illegitimate, stupid. You know, they don't have the data, so they don't give you the data. They give you false data. The point being, uh, there have been many. Uh, and it. oftentimes, it's ideology, not so much religion. But uh, there, there's like from Muhammad and the Arabs, which not all of them descended from Ishmael. But that's the area that Ishmael went to. Okay? Uh, came out and they conquered a lot of places and a lot of them not to from different mishmael or Arabs There's African Muslims and Southeast Asian Muslims Malaysian Muslim Muslims, those Russian Muslims like Chinese Muslims There's a lot of them. so so it became an ideology not so much about genetics Okay um, Just like Christianity became an ideology of religion uh, and 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 then there was different forms of Islam that s- s- Came out from that and and so like there's two or three now That are the main ones, and they actually fight each other and kill each other. So, well, we're the real Muslims? No, we're the real Muslims. So that's kind of like that happened with the Christians as well, with Protestants and and, um, Catholics, okay? Now, Judaism is another offshoot religion. It's the third offshoot religion from the Hebrew-Israeli line. They're not the exact same thing, copy-pasta, okay? They're another offshoot religion and it manifests in the modern English word that was never in the Bible, Jew or Jews, Judaism. In fact, there were other words in the Bible, like Laodice, which is Greek, and a whole bunch of other words, but the way that they've been translated, they've been hemmed in to have the word Jew, even though the word Jew, which is the English word, didn't exist then, the concept of the Jew didn't exist then. The modern day concept of Jew is not one thing, it's complicated, it's five things. At least five things okay so um, to say that those all those five things existed in ancient time Israel is just false there's the culture of Jew jewism Jew culture you know like uh, let's say your parents were Jew, Jews as in the religious Judaism actual practicing religious type of person and then you grew up in that but you aren't or your children aren't that's What we oftentimes call cultural Jews. And then you have Jews who might actually be descended from, or claim to be descended from, the Israelite area or the Mesopotamian. They might even be Semites. And thus, they would be genetic, you know, descendants of those areas and also call themselves Jews because they're genetic. And then there's the ones that go to other countries or just were born in those countries of those genetics, of those DNAs, like Russia and Eastern Europe and Eastern uh, fucking Asia and everywhere else, and they're religiously Jews, but they're not genetically Jews and they're not culturally Jews, not the same kind of culture, at least, right? Or sometimes there's a mixture. And then the fifth kind, I would say, is more like the ethnic or the the offshoot um, variations. You have at least five kinds of Jews, and so that one word is used, it's overused. It's used to describe a whole swath of people, right? And so you can't objectively take that word, which is a modern colloquial word for a whole swath of people and force it into the Bible and make it work because specifically they allowed us was talking about the people descended from the tribes of Israel, Judah, that tribe, and also Israel, that tribe. Genetically, specifically, the Hebrew uh, religion 2.0. And that's not what the modern day word means. It means a whole bunch of things. So just off the basis there, you can clearly see the Jews are not the Israelites, the Jews are not the Hebrews. There are yet enough, another offshoot. Um, uh, and and, it gives, and it's even, there's even more data to add to that. There's uh, a real lack of the genetics that comes from Israel. Because there's genetics from all over the place, so they're even less genetically that. And if you look at the religion, it's even less like Hebrewism than we're led to believe. For example, the Star of David, correct me if I'm wrong, is not in the Bible, in the old text of the Torah. It's not, there is no Star of David. It doesn't exist. It's just a made-up concept. Um, also, as, as far as I know, um, and also, the, you know, a lot of the traditions aren't directly copy-pasta from Hebrew or Israelite time periods. Just like all the other groups, just like uh, you know, Islam and Christianity spawned from Israelite traditions and Jesus and the ancient Israelite nation that was subdued and no longer a nation under the the boot of Roman Empire. Another one also spawned off called Judaism. It's not the direct successor. So understanding that things change over time and things get complicated they always get more complicated more and more complicated instead of it just being pasta. and at the end of World War II this revival of going back to godism and then there being another cycle of strong men weak men the, the whole thing um, it, af- after it happened you know and then it happened locally in Europe you know after it happened just in the tribe in the Hebrew nation and then the 12 tribes of Israel and then Rome and then it was more or less coming out and happening just in europe and then it was coming out and it was happening in america too and it was happening in another place at the end of world war ii this cycle specifically that came from the the hebrew uh out of ur when abraham found god in Ur, and said you know that specific part of the cycle the part of finding god which by the way predates Ur and predates abraham that's just where it was reborn um Became global, so now the the part of coming back—it's not just like coming back to God, the concept God uh, and Jesus and the religions of you know Islam, Judaism, and uh, Christians as well. Um, It's not just coming back to like those kind of religions. It's not just coming back to faith. It's not just coming back to purpose. Um, It's 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 about God, the 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 being getting in touch with the supernatural, the the higher plane, higher planes of existence, um, believing in that again, um, keeps coming back, um, belief in God keeps coming back over and over again through these cycles. And now it's going global. And the way that functions is instead of the cycle itself being specifically in certain areas of the world, certain empires, it becomes global. Now we can't go back. Without a major apocalypse, aka what I call Great Dragon, even with another Ouroboros cycle, in other words, this civilization ending and another one beginning, like say China, let's say America burns and all the West burns, so to speak, and there's out of the ashes and new civilizations emerge, sure, but the new dominant civilization is China and Russia or something, like that would be, okay, that's a whole new Ouroboros, okay? There's maybe four cycles. With four chapters in each one in that as well, but It's still probably going to be global because at this point in time we've gone to where yes Globalism is bad for the people who live in the Empire Um, because it means that they're competing with the entire world and the entire world works for cheaper than they do So it's just generally worse for them. Um Except for the elites. It's very good for the elites because they're the ones buying the cheap labor from the whole world okay that's a basic breakdown of why globalism is great for the elites of the Empire but bad for everyone else for the most part of the Empire um, still this element of, the, of globalism if you want to call it that it's not only really globalism so much as the cycle is now global it's not going back okay so now when this cycle happens it it will either evolve into some kind of World War III or some like ideological World War III we are at the final stage of this Ouroboros loop. The final stage has four chapters. We are entering, we are already in the hard times in the apocalypse section, and we are en- entering this, um, we're, we're, we're already in here, right at the last section, but we are already starting this. This is, this is these four are probably going to be the last of this Ouroboros. And then uh, well, there might be a fifth, who knows? There might be a fifth uh, segment. Segment of this serpent, but then essentially what happens is The snake eats its own head and out of it comes new civilizations and just like um, uh, This has already happened four times like I said in the four segments or three times in the three segments um and just like it happened with Rome several times um, and Rome kept its name Rome. It's kept its name some of its language Italy and some of its culture and some of its identity it kept over the time America's identity and cultures and some of its people and its ideal, ideas and ideology will also be kept to a degree so it's kind of like a, a phoenix being reborn over and over again and it does this through a spiritual revival like it has been doing for the past 10,000 years and so essentially the the rise of the American Empire meaning the global western world government um has been explained the fall is in process however it's interesting to know that the smaller cycles within this larger world boris have already completed and so this could be yet another smaller cycle inside of it aka kind of like when rome had its empire stage, and then no longer had an empire stage. Then once again had an empire stage in the Holy Roman Empire, right? And then didn't have that stage, and then ended up as Italy, kind of a pathetic and weak nation, you know, getting getting kicked in the ass by a little microorganism called CoFeFe. Um, CoFeFe. Yeah. What does CoFeFe mean again? CoFeFe, C O V F E F E, F equals one. F equals I E equals D F equals 1 E equals 9 Um That's a theory anyways Hypothesis I have Makes sense Works out Like Kofefe. Maybe somebody whispered something in his ear And they were like "Uh, But But Mr. President Um COVID-19 Uh What? Did you say Kofefe? Gofefe Anyways Let me know, head over to the Rumble, and leave a comment, Bitshoot, leave a comment, Uh, Bitshoot slash Jarv, uh, Rumble slash Dark Star Rising, the clips go on to Rumble slash Jarv8, YouTube, I might put some clips, and then of course there's this audio. So basically, what's the next segment? Well, we've already started the next segment of four, so we've got four chapters, this is an 80-year period, okay, so we might not see the end. But basically, out of this, we're supposed to be creating some good times. Okay, this will manifest as either a new era of American and even American imperialism, woohoo, or it will be a whole new world revival. This whole new world, because it's going to be global. This global revival will form in three sections. One of these sections is spiritual. It will be seated by this spiritual movement and if you think that fighting for freedom is not spiritual just because you're an atheist i tell you what son um there's there's a freedom to live for god and then there's a freedom to do whatever the fuck you want but god is the ultimate freer and and this to understand you is who created free will like the concept of free will well Who created the entire universe it's easy to understand and you can extrapolate from that oh okay so actually God is essentially the one who says if you want to do bad thing you can do bad thing if you want to do good thing you can do good thing it's called free will you have the capability see this is where I get into talking about rights versus capabilities but essentially rights don't exist capabilities exist Right, so this artificial thing that we're meant to protect our capabilities, but capabilities are what are are real and objective. You have the capability to pick up a mouse, put it back down, to to work, pay your bills, to fucking eat cheese. You have these capabilities, okay? Some consequences might be some gas farting, your mouse breaks because it's a useless piece of crap made in shitty fucking crap, piece of shit made in China. Um, and, and, and the person you fuck also farts, but in like other things, you know, but like you have these capabilities and I would say the five intrinsic capabilities of most human beings, because some people don't have legs, right? And other things is the ability, not the right, the ability. See, this is where the, the concept goes wrong. People are like, well, I have the right so I can, no, 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 you're going You're doing this wrong. Rights can be taken away from you. So now you don't have the right. So shut up, bigot, put on a mask, sit in your room, and die. Okay? You have the capability. The ability, the capability to speak, to think, to believe, and do. Think. Speak. Believe, and do. I thought there was five. Speak. Think. Believe. Do. Yeah. There's a fifth one. I'm out of time. Let me see if I can find my whole thing. Speak. Yes, you have the capability to speak. They can't stop you okay they can obviously duct tape your mouth and then stop you but that's restricting your capability and then like it it doesn't need to be a right you already have the capability to act to do actions right to think okay think for yourself you think if you have the ability they haven't plugged you into the new link yet have they Uh, and to believe what you want to believe okay and to live, and the live, the fifth one, is living. And that just means to continue on living. Now, these can be infringed on. People can attack your capabilities. The whole purpose of rights is to protect your capabilities so that people can't take these capabilities away from you. But when people are often saying, well, actually, God is the guy who's like saying, no, you shouldn't be free. You gotta live a certain way. He's the ultimate freer because he says, there's a better way to live a way that's healthier, a way that's better for human beings, generally speaking. I call it godly. You might call it healthy, or you might call it smart, but I call it godly because I invented it. It's God speaking. But I'm not going to force you to do it. You know, a lot of people see God as this ultimate, like, uh, patriarchal oppressor who forces people to do things. But creating the whole system and then letting people do what they want Is the ultimate freeing. God. Okay. You can live healthy. I just told you what it is. It's Godism. It's living healthy mate. It's that voice in your head. It tells you maybe don't eat the cheetahs instead. Take a drink. Another drink. Maybe pray to me. Like that. Not me. Obviously. God. That's the voice in your head. Is essentially. The voice of reason. The voice of God. the, The inner Okay, so like how people say, you know, the, the angel on your shoulders, you know, your consciousness, that comes from God. Okay, so you know, the devil on your shoulder, your id, your 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 inner desires, and and Satan's like, hey, hey, you can go back to God any day, but hey, today, let's play. So you have like egg, it and the super ego, as Freud explained it, and you have the capability to balance these out. We go one way or another way. But the ultimate free person, the ultimate freer of the human species is God. Okay? And then he, he gets a group of people and says, okay, I want to show you a better way. And so each revival is, okay, this is a better way. This is healthier. This is better for you. This is smarter. This is cleaner. This is better. This is better. Okay, please do it this way. Right? And then, of course, Satan looks at it, it's like, ah, God created another group, another thing, another cool idea. I gotta take that and corrupt that. And so, even if it's just metaphysical in your mind, this happens in your reality. And from that, the humans who are obedient to Satan, the minions of Satan, the elites, create a new pyramid. Like out of the 12 tribes of Israel and Hebrew, the Hebrew, Egypt, twelve tribes of Israel, the chaos of the twelve tribes of Israel, Rome. You know, Christianity, Islam. They they all have these these pyramids created out of them that are a affront to God, a degradation. It's it's getting the really cool idea that God had of pulling some people aside and having them be more healthy and creating a new system that works, like a printing press or something. And then it's taking that and monopolizing it for only the power and greed of the elites. And so these pyramids keep coming up. They're called institutions. Like I explained in one of my previous video or podcast episodes, go check them out. Ugu Big May is the totalitarian of this global empire. I'm talking about the American empire that is in control of Europe and the West—it's a Western empire. Okay, it functions as the same thing. It walks the same talk, it talks the same talk, It does the same thing. It's all looking to America for leading, for leadership. And this empire inside of it, this establishment, as I call it, has three points. Okay, the the UGU, which is the unholy global union, which is the all the governments getting together, and you know they're influenced by their deep states, and they're influenced. By the billionaires who buy them out, but that's they tend to work together, all of the Western countries, as a unholy global union. And then there's of course, uh, May media and entertainment, and there's plenty of pyramids in there too. And there's the pyramid of the media, okay, which came out of the corrupted form of the printing press, and then the the TV form. I mean, the first movie was probably okay and not an affront of God, but not an affront of God. But then after the technology exists, ooh, the elites got to get it and create the news media, three companies working with the government in a fascist way to control the entire narrative. And it's now expanded up to hundreds of thousands of companies. And, you know, only now there's a few small individuals and small, small companies that have opposite narratives or different narratives than the one created, controlled by the government and the elites of state. So there's many pyramids or establishments inside of Just May, you have Hollywood for entertainment, you have the gaming industry, um, very very monolithic, very, very pro-Marxist, leftist, wokey bullshit. Um, Same with Hollywood, same with... um, uh, And yeah, the way that postmodernism is an affront to God and the traditions of old, the ways that are healthier to live the ways that are ancient truths that have existed for hundreds of thousands of years is a whole other video but that that's gonna be an interesting one but in 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 media entertainment you've got the education system as well which are all these universities pyramids of their own you know and the universities come out and they're like um we're racist oh you're racist you got get government funding we're gonna pull your funding money because we're not we're not gonna fund your racism ah, ah we just meant that everyone's technically racist Not us specifically. More, Uh don't give me take my funding. And then you go over to the other side, uh, big, which is the big corporations, and there are many pyramids there. So many, pharma. That's a pyramid, okay? From pharmakia, the Greek word for sorcery. And then you've got another pyramid. Big religions like Catholic religion, the Judaism religion, the the Church of Islam, the mosque of Muslim, whatever. You know, got some big organizations over there too. And then um, less. it's less of the West with Islam. There's more of an East, right? And that East um, alliance, let's call it the alliance of like Eastern Muslim or Islamic nations tend to work with each other oftentimes. But all, some of them, they, they fight, obviously. And then they also work to a degree with the Western Empire. So that's also kind of like another Saudi, UAE, Empire that works with the Western Empire in a way that's um, very nasty to be honest because you've got the United States federal government arming and paying for the 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 weapons to go to ter- to literal terrorists who are uh, fundamental you know however you want to call it the Muslims just like the size of Muslims but they're also violent murderers um, I'm not saying the Saudis are all perfect I'm just saying that th- these guys who are being funded by the US government and taught and these mosques are being uh, raised and established by the Saudi government this has been going on for like 30 40 years so if you just find out about it now who boy I hate to be you but um, basically the Saudi government under funding by the United States seeded a whole bunch of extremist Islamicist mosques who are anti-American and anti-West who would then become enemies for America in the future. And then guess who who gave them guns? The United States. Why would they far arm their own enemy? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because the military-industrial complex is like a 20 billion or 200 bajillion trillion industry. I mean, like, this is profitable for the elites. They don't fight in the wars. They don't die in the wars. They make the money off of the wars. You fight in the wars. It's it's the elite. It's not the elites versus the other elites, generally speaking. It's not the elites of Ukraine versus the elites of Russia so much. It's, it's, it's the elites' minions versus the other elites' minions. That's the way war works. And both of the elites usually end up pretty okay. Sometimes they end up dead. But generally speaking, when, it, when you're talking about Saudi Arabia and the United States of America, those elites end up real good. Real good. They're in it just fine. You know, the small country that they're arming to fight America kind of ends up fucked. But then it ends up on its own again. And and this time maybe with $800 billion in advanced American weaponry, tanks, helicopters, and guns. Like Afghanistan is celebrating right now. $800 billion dollars. That's more money than, like, went to Pakistan for the fucking uh, gender studies officially. Oh, gender studies. That's why we're going to give $800 billion to the Pakistani elites off of your dime if you're an American citizen. Yeah, that happened. It's called the omnibus bill. Check it out. If you don't want to pay for... uh, I mean, it's not really for... Gender studies. It's really just to pad the pockets of Pakistani elites so that they're all like hey Work with us. Yeah, yeah, we'll give you 800 billion dollars and yeah, and then you can Maybe make some more terrorists for us to kill and and this is what happened when the United States armed al-Qaeda and and the Afghani What are they called? The, whatever the ones are in Afghanistan to fight Russia then they kept the weapons and fought the United States it's like why? because the never ending wars son, it, they were in the 1990s and then 2000s the 1990s, the 1999s the never ending wars the purpose is because is it's profitable for the elites they make a lot of money with the guns and they're bought out by the, the, the billionaires it's very profitable for them the stocks go up the guns go up a lot of money is made okay you're just a pawn you're just you're, you're supposed to go there and die in the name of freedom or in the name of something in the name of anything democracy by the way there is no democracy on planet earth there has never been a democracy on planet earth full stop end of discussion and if you want to watch or listen to more videos yeah I'm trying to do this three times a week for the podcast show. 149. We went a long time for this one. Hopefully we had enough hard drive space. Fuck, I should check that out. Um, And subscribe, share. Once again, I'll plug my own shit because nobody cares. jarveemailwixsitecom slash jarve network. That's just like my main site for now. I know it's a Wix site. Shut up. I'm a peasant shut the fuck up okay here you got some cruel deals that aren't so much like buying me shit so don't simp for me you know but if you want $10 of free cryptocurrency on coinbase or a secured credit card probably not a good idea tea public and make your own sell clothing or you could support but you don't have to the donate crypto there's a shop where I have a few really cool designs. I'm going to show now real quick. Just as a wrap up to this. Freedom underscore reality. America's new anthem t-shirt. What does it say? Lezo Brandon. Uh, you can't comply with out of the tyranny. Fuck you big. Fuck you May. Fuck you Est. Fuck you Ugu Big May. Um, Ugu. There you go. Uh, so. Topical. Designs. Designed in America. Probably printed off the of Chinese. It's fucking plastic but hey everything is made in China so like what can you do about that hopefully 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 we can start making more things in America but that requires money (laughs) ah also just one more time to remind you the best coolest funnest book about the historical accounts of 2020 the year in the United States and globally is big Mr. T, A Radical Book for Kids and Adults, and it is on lulu.com slash search, and then you just type in Big Mr. T. It pops up by Bob Wronghink and Eric Stolle election. Uh, it is $40, but it's well worth it because it is a one-of-a-kind historical retelling for kids and adults about 2020, in the most apocalyptic chapter of the Fall of the West, Prints in three to five business days and then ships in, they don't say, probably one to two weeks. Thanks for checking out the Dark Star Rising. Live on, human. Free.